It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, this is Eric Ludi. We just finished up our 14 weeks of training here on the campus, and it was just an amazing season. And if you missed the Daily Thunder episodes throughout that time, oh, they were rich. It was really powerful. Nathan did a series called Soul Drift, 27 episodes, and it was extremely powerful. And I did a series called Spiritual Lessons from World War I. So if you missed those, you definitely want to catch up. Uh, so ellerslie.com forward slash daily, and you can dig up the, that great material and, and go through it. Meanwhile, we're rebuilding our studio. So it's going through a remodeling process. We're excited to debut it, and we're close, but uh, we need a little more time. So we have another throwback series that we're going to give to you, and I hope you really enjoy it. It's called Hill to Die On. I pray it richly encourages your soul. Welcome back for part four. We're sort of walking through a series, uh, just admiring the grandeur of Jesus, the godness of Jesus, or as this particular series would call it, the preeminence of Jesus. And this one is reflecting back to a quote from the very first part of the series, which was uh, this, the first sermon by Charles Spurgeon in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Oh boy, I said Metropolitan weird. The Metropolitan, boy, now it sounds really funny in my ears. The Metropolitan Tabernacle way back in 1861. And he said that Christ is the sum and substance of the gospel. And I just love that statement. And so I want to build on that and just admire Jesus uh, in and through this and the importance of who he is in our understanding of Christianity and living out our life. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 through 3 is a scripture I read earlier, but I'm going to sort of build on that now. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. If you hang around Ellerslie, I am very passionate about the simplicity that is in Christ. And at first, simplicity sounds like sort of a simple-minded person, a fool. When in actuality, the word in the Greek is actually going to mean singularity of focus. In other words, that you as a Christian have one thing on your mind, and that is Jesus. In all that you do, in all your reasoning, in all your living, in all your thinking, it's all about Jesus. If you're preaching any message that isn't about Jesus, you're wasting your time. You see, everything we do is about Jesus. And Paul is concerned that the church of Corinth is going to lose this. The same way that the serpent is going to beguile Eve to get focused on something other than who God is and what God has said. And this is precisely what I see happening in the church all the time. And this is, this is historic Christianity. It's meddling. It's the enemy meddling with our focus. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. The preeminence of Jesus, not just in all of creation, but in our thoughts, in our life, that he is preeminent, that he holds first place. So I have jokingly referred to myself as a simplitist in the past, and it's gotten me in a little trouble, I have to admit. I have a few people that have gotten mad at that because I've, I, I've, I used to be asked if I was a Calvinist all the time, and I, I remember hearing Paul Washer say that he was a five-point Spurgeonist. Yeah, I liked that. I thought that was a pretty funny statement. So I made it the statement that I was a five-point stud because I like C.T. Stud. And, you know, and my five points were Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, not everyone found the humor in that. I thought it was really funny. 
But as a simplicist, as one who wants to maintain the singularity of focus on Jesus in all my doctrine and all my thinking, that is my priority. And that's why I've used that term, even though it's, I, I, I do not want to coin a new term and create a new denomination with it. This is what I would say a simplicist code would be. Number one, believe the scriptures with child wonder. Just believe them. Believe them with child wonder. A child doesn't struggle to believe the word of God. They just, if God said it, it's good enough for me. Let's approach the scriptures with child wonder. Number two, study the scriptures with knowing Jesus is the primary end. Not knowing your doctrine, having a good theology, but knowing Jesus. When you know Jesus, you have solid doctrine, you have sound theology. But when you study to know doctrine and theology, you oftentimes can miss the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus is what it's all about. I don't want to hear in the end, I never knew you, and I don't want you to hear it either. This is what we are after as Christians. Number three, speak the scriptures with the utter simplicity of the suffering church. You see, the scriptures, there are certain points in them that give life. And when we emphasize just the knowledge or the facts of scripture and don't emphasize the life of scripture, what God came to do for us, we oftentimes can mislead people very subtly. And so that's why I'm saying speak the scriptures with the utter simplicity of the suffering church. The church around the, the world today that suffers, that is imprisoned for its beliefs, that has to do it underground and is risking everything to share it, their message is not as complex as ours can sometimes be in the Western church. And so as a result, since the Western church is now falling into harder times, we're, we're beginning to realize what the Eastern church has dealt with for generations, it's important that we also remember what matters most. And number four, and live the scriptures with the inextinguishable power of ever-growing grace. In other words, live it with vitality, with the power of God. Don't just be one of those dusty, dry old Christians that has all your thoughts together, but doesn't live out the love of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the joy of Jesus. You see, we are called to live Jesus. So as a simplicist for uh, just using the word just for this context, and again, I'm not trying to start a new phrase as much as just trying to create a concept that we can chew on. Let's live this for his sake. Is he not worthy? So what matters most? If all were stripped away, what would you hang on to with a death grip? If you're looking at the video of this, it says, what, what would you hang on to with a death grip? So you can just eliminate one of those what's. What would you hang on to with a death grip? If everything were being stripped from you, what are you hanging on to? That's a really good question. So in your Christianity, if you were only going to be able to remember a few things out of all that you were trained, what would be the most important? So I'm going to give a couple illustrations in this. One is from Richard Wormbrandt, who suffered uh, as a pastor in prison. He was prisoner number one in Romania. Uh, and he wrote a book called Tortured for Christ. Very uh, significant character and influencer in my life and development. But this is what he said. And I just want to sort of include this in our thought processes. It's called Four Things Remembered. I'd nearly forgotten my Bible in all this time, speaking of the time in prison. But while I was in prison, four things were always on my mind. First, there is a God. Second, Jesus is our Savior and He goes with us wherever, everywhere, even prison. Third, no matter what we go through here, there is the reality of eternal life. And fourth, God's love, even in the face of torture, is always the best of ways. <laughs> now, I hope and pray that for all of us, we're never brought to the point where we can only remember four things. This man was tortured day in and day out to try and scrub his mind of everything that he believed. 
and he held on to four things. If everything was being scrubbed away from us and the earth was trying its best and its hardest to clear our mind of the truths of the kingdom of heaven, what would you hold on to? And that's why I think this is so profound. I want to make sure that I major on God's majors. I do not want to major on minors. I want to major where God majors. I call this one Four Things Entrusted. This comes from the story of Esther on Kim, of talking about the Korean church that was persecuted uh, when the Japanese uh, took over uh, that, that country. Uh, and so listen to this. A Korean missionary who led a young girl to Christ amidst a time of horrible persecution, knowing the girl had no access to a church or a Bible, he gave her four principles to live by. Imagine you were trusting Christ to someone and you knew that they didn't have a church to go to and they didn't have a Bible. Wow. What would you share with them? These are the four things that he shared. And it's just fascinating. I'm not saying that this is where every one of us has to land on these exact things this way, but it's worth considering. This is what the four things were. Jesus is the only son of God and is the only savior. Two, God will never forsake his believers. Three, Jesus is able to take all the misfortunes of believers and turn them into good. And four, Jesus hears the prayers of his children. Well, I mean, it's hard to minimize it down to four things. If any of us are going to go through that process and just spend a day and say, okay, God, what four things would I share in that same situation? But those are four doozies. I mean, that's some powerful stuff. The girl grew up loving Jesus, even without knowing much doctrinal specifics. And with this simple childlike faith alone, she became a pillar during the time of persecution. That's a powerful story that is very, very significant to me. I'm a guy who loves to teach the, the entire counsel of the scriptures. I'm not just going to give four things. I'm going to give everything that God teaches, right? That's what I do as a pastor. That's what I do when I disciple. But I want to make sure that those that I disciple know the priority points that matter more than any other. So we are not beguiled as Eve was beguiled by the devil but we hold to the singularity of focus on that which Christ himself told us to focus on. The North Star for Paul's compass. So throughout this uh, time, I've been talking about a North Star of that which helps us aim in the right direction. And so if you're going to fix your compass, you want to make sure you fix it to the right spot because out of all of Scripture, there's a lot of doctrines. There's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of ideas. However, Paul himself is going to give us a North Star. 1 Corinthians 2.2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, Paul knew other things, but he is going to get down to brass tacks. He's going to get down to the central, most salient point, and that is Jesus and what Jesus did for you. You see, if you catch that, you have life. If you miss that, you lose life. So this is the hill we will die on. I mean, this whole series is called The Hill to Die On. This is the hill we will die on. Jesus and Him crucified. And I've said that to my pastoral teams for years. Guys, we're not going to divide over this. Nope, we're not going to die on that hill. We're going to make sure we remember what hill to die on. We die on the hill of Jesus and Him crucified. Uh, there's certain things that, yes, we need to make sure. Yeah, well, I can't stand with that. that, that that's, that's an errant thought, and I can't go with that. But we need to make sure we don't die on the wrong hills. We need to make sure that we are centered and are making sure our battles are God's battles. So I'm going to finish with just that a little piece from Charles Spurgeon's first sermon in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And this is just a piece of it. I read in the first session of this entire series, I, I went through it. Again, it wasn't the whole thing. It was a portion of it, but a good portion. 
In the days of Paul, it was not difficult at once in one word to give the sum and substance of the current theology. It was Christ Jesus. Had you asked any one of those disciples what he believed, he would have replied, I believe Jesus, or I believe Christ. If I am asked to say what is my creed, I think I must reply, it is Jesus Christ. The body of divinity to which I would pin and bind myself forever, God helping me, is Christ Jesus, who is the sum and substance of the gospel, who is in himself all theology, the incarnation of every precious truth, the all-glorious personal embodiment of the way, the truth, and the life. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.